Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, David Farmer. Hey, Launch University listeners, this is David Farmer, and I'm here with my good friend and fellow uh, Launch University mentor, Shane Benson. Shane, welcome. Glad to be here. Excited to be here. And Shane and I have actually had the chance to spend a good bit of the week together doing, what have we been doing, Shane? We call it the planning rumble. We've been rumbling, which is, we'll, we'll explain in a little more details, but we've been doing a lot of organizational planning this week, and so we thought, wow, uh, while we're right in the midst of it, why don't we share some of what we've learned with uh, our listeners? Because at some level, all of us are planning or need to be planning, right? The good, the bad, and the better. That's right. So we're going to jump into that a little bit today and kind of break that down for you because um, it is it is very fresh on our minds. Uh, I may uh, ask you, Shane, just frame for our listeners uh, a little bit more of, of what our week has looked like this week. It's, we're, here we are. It is literally a Friday afternoon as we record this. Yeah, so I, first I would say for many of us, um, all of you guys out there and for many of us in this season, most organizations do an annual planning process. Now, some of those are three-year plans, five-year plans. Most actually have something to do with a budget that's going to impact next year. And we just came into our season where we're literally thinking about 2020 and some of the strategic trade-offs that we're going to have to make as a business and as an organization. And as we did that, it was like, you know, there's some best practices here because it literally, over the last three days, we can just kind of make note of some of the things that went well, some of the things that maybe didn't go so well, and some of the things that we might do differently moving forward. And we thought, you know what, I bet you, you're probably out there and some, in some form or fashion, you're going to have to do some planning, whether that's personally or professionally. And there's some best practices that we found that can really help with that. So that's really where we're trying to head today. And I would add one of the sh- the hats that Shane wears is he's been leading organizational planning at Chick-fil-A. And so we we have a lot of growth going on. We're a relatively large organization. There are a lot of different functions, needs, opportunities. So it gets pretty complicated. And so I would say prior to this week, there was a lot of homework different folks had to do, leaders had to do. And we all kind of showed up with our homework complete and had to wrestle uh, with the fact that uh, we have limitations. There's a finite amount of money available. There are a finite number of human resources available. What do we want to spend all that on as we look to the future? So that's what we've done for three days, right? Yeah, and it's been a great time. So we're going to unpack uh, a few thoughts for you, uh, give you some very specific elements. Before we do, we got a little bit of a, a, a setup, and I want to just highlight um, the idea that intentionality, there's a lot of power in that. And uh, I will say, if you've not heard the podcast that uh, Kevin Jennings did with Dara Brewstein, um, this is actually a two-part podcast, but um, hit late May, I believe, early June, somewhere in there. Go check that out because she has some great thoughts on intentionality. But planning is about that. Don't you want to have a lot of say over your destiny, whether you're planning um, just as an individual, planning for your um, solopreneurship opportunity, planning for your small business, planning as an entrepreneur in the context of a large organization? Don't you want to have a lot of control over your own destiny? being really intentional about that intentional and i I would then add 
that does not preclude you from um, having flexibility going forward. You really do need both. It's it is having intentionality around planning, but I think David, you said it this way: flexibility or margin. Having the combination of those two things, I think, is super helpful. Yes. In fact, um, our the founder of Chick Fil A, Truett Cathy, we used to always talk about. He was a master at taking advantage of unexpected mm-hmm. opportunities. Yeah. I don't think that meant that he was always flying by the seat of his pants. He had a game plan, but he also had enough margin built in when uh, an opportunity popped up that he thought made sense. He could deviate from uh, a game plan. He could he could exercise flexibility. So, you know, if, if as you get into maybe your planning season, whether that's personally again or professionally, it is literally coming into it with this mindset of this intentionality and yet flexibility. And, and David, you, you've always captured this phrase really well, but if you don't have time to plan, plan. Like, no matter what, make sure you take the time to do that. And maybe when you need it the most. Absolutely. And we've talked a lot of times on this podcast about the power of margin, like setting aside time to not only think about your individual work and how that's going to impact or influence the organization over time, but as an organization, are you setting aside time? And that's exactly what we did the last three days. We kind of shut the computers, got in a room for three days, and spent time thinking about our thinking. And that is really, really helpful. And it, it really um, it emphasizes the importance of power of margin and setting aside time to plan. But Shane, if I'm listening, I'm thinking, yeah, but I hate planning, or this is <laughs> not in my wheelhouse. What do you say? Go get some help. Um, quite honestly, uh, I, th- I think this is what this podcast is for. I mean, we're trying to – we all the time we hear listeners say, you know what, there's a gap between where I am today and where I want to be tomorrow. And in regards to planning, I don't necessarily know what, how to do that. And so we're going to give you the elements of a, a good plan here today. But I would tell you, there's a lot of outside consultants. We use one personally, and a big shout-out to Guy Hawker. Uh, we love you, Guy. He's a huge partner in helping me and helping our team think about strategically – how we guide and direct the organization. And so if you need some help, call in an expert, either from within your organization or outside of your organization, to help you think about the elements of planning. And speaking of elements of planning, we've highlighted nine we want to share with you. Yes, we've got nine elements of a really good plan, and they're not you know, they're not all, there's probably more out there, but I think these are a good start. Yeah, so let's jump right in. Let's go with the first one, which I would just call vision. If you're going to have a plan, you got to begin with a vision. And we often define vision as the, that, what's the compelling why um, that would create passion within you uh, to pursue uh, a big opportunity? That's vision. And you need to be able to articulate it in a way um, that uh, it, people get it, uh, they get excited about it, and they're willing to pay some price for it. Yeah, we even, to highlight that, to create that kind of compelling vision, we talked about the needs of really three customer groups. Uh, We talked about we have franchisees that are out there that have certain needs that we've got to respond to within the business. We have a customer base that is hugely important. It's actually the number one thing that we focus on in regards to the things that we're trying to do to plan. And then we have our own infrastructure, our support center team. And all three of those people groups have specific needs. And I do want to touch on one specific to the customer. If you think about yourself as a customer, 
one of the, the sticky statements that we use is our customers have a need that they want their product when they want it, where they want it, and how they want it, and they want it fast. And it's like those kind of compelling kind of sticky statements help kind of drive you to this overarching idea of, okay, what's the vision? Why are we trying to do this? And I think you got to have a, a really clear idea of why you're having to go through the three days of planning and the minutiae around that and that vision piece is really important yep so what i would say is as we began our week uh, this week doing our own planning before we jumped into specific opportunities we might want to fund or pursue we started with hey what's the vision what's our purpose for being in business um, what what's the mission we're trying to pursue right now we wanted to just calibrate everybody on that because that became the filter for everything that was going to follow. Yep. Fair it's enough? Absolutely. Great first point. All right. So you got to have a vision. Shane, beyond vision, where do you go next? Well, I think, you know, the next thing to talk about is, well, what's the goal? I mean, if we've got a clear vision of, or we're trying to put a clear vision together on where we're headed, what's the goal around that or what's the outcome? What's the deliverable? Uh, we, talk, we talk about key performance indicators. One of my favorite books this past year was a book entitled Measure What Matters, and they talk about OKRs, setting objectives, key um, key indicators and then what are the results what are the things that you're looking to accomplish in those areas and so um, I do think it's really important to have clear outcomes set on specific areas that you're trying to achieve because as you get into the plan the the, the, uh, the planning process it'll help you uncover what it is that you're going to need to do to reach those goals so the vision may be broad and directional but the goal is going to get pretty specific, right? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it could be, I mean, to put it in a, a personal context, you may have a goal to have a great family vacation, or excuse me, a vision to have a great family vacation. You may have a goal to travel across the United States, but you might have some key performance indicators to say, hey, we need to reach Memphis by this time. We need to reach you know, New Mexico by this date, and then we're going to eventually get to the West Coast. Those goals help create a really clear idea of kind of those stage gates or things that you need to meet along the way. Okay, awesome. Let's go to the third one, which I'm just going to call strategic path. So if I have this general vision I'm trying to realize, and I break that into a specific goal or maybe goals, but there's some key performance indicators I'm trying to hit. Next up is I have to choose the path to get there. And strategy is a word that gets um, perhaps overused, but it's really just I am going to do this and not that to get there. And, in fact, uh, one of our friends came back from an executive education program and said what he learned is that um, the essence of strategy are Mm trade-offs. Do this, not that. So if you're going to make that goal a reality, how are you going to make that goal a reality? So strategy sort of gets to the how word. And what I would say is we had to wrestle with several um, strategic paths this week. And and we have several strategies that we're, we're pursuing, which I think that's okay. I don't think you want multiple visions. You could have a couple of key performance indicators or goal. And you could have a couple of strategies that you're pursuing. You probably don't want too many, but it may be more than one. Is that fair? I think it's very fair. Um, We even talked about how we would roadmap those a little bit. So maybe we can break that down a little bit more when we get into uh, 
time in here. Well, I think it's I think it's important too as you think about multiple ways to achieve a goal and that strategy. Um, there are also things that you'd have to say no to, which is the essence of strategy. Strategy is all about what are we going to say no to so that we can make them have a more powerful yes. But then there's this piece of well, how do you map that out? What does the timetable look like? Can you speak more to that? Yeah, if, in fact, you just said something. I want to come back. Let me come back to timetable. But I, I want to speak to. Um, this idea of editing to amplify oh, yeah. shout out to dave sayers our friend because <laughs> back to strategy um you're right if you're gonna really optimize a strategic path it may mean you choose not to do some other things they're good it's just not the best path forward Amen. so you you talk about timetable we then um would lay out first of all deadlines because deadlines can create energy and urgency and urgency which is important but we also sort of staged out the work a little bit Mm -hmm. and and we were probably thinking in a three-year horizon and we said if this is a big thing we're trying to make happen how far do we go um, this year 2020 2021 even 2022 and we found that creating a high-level roadmap um, brings a lot of clarity to the process. So we've talked about vision. We've talked about clear outcomes. We've talked about strategic path, more importantly, trade-offs to strategy. And then we've talked about the timetable. Timetable, obviously, meaning deadlines, clear deadlines that everybody understands. And then at a higher level, maybe road mapping out your timetable. And I want to just build on this a little bit. I actually think a timetable or clear dates actually can be one of your goals. I mean, you know, a very clear date that everybody understands that we are going to launch this product on this date is a really good way to set a goal. Um, and so let's just talk about the, the next thing. Number five would be clarity around the resources that you're going to need to actually accomplish that goal and are willing to allocate and are willing to allocate and this is a really 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 important topic um, and it's an important point to emphasize anytime you go into organizational planning. Here's why. I want you to think about a triangle, and I want you to think the, about the three sides on that triangle. And the first side of that t- triangle would be time. The other side of that triangle would be money. And then the third side of that triangle would be talent or people. And it's really the makeup of those three things that really define the resources. There are time resources, the amount of time that you're going to need to do something. There's the amount of money that you're going to be able to do something. And then there's the number of people that you're going to need to actually do that work. And those three things are trade-offs that every organization has to wrestle with. Now, if you think about the the triangle, think about the center of that triangle being the goal or the product that you're going to deliver. When you decide, like for example, we're going to launch a certain product by July of 2020. In order to do that, you've got to say, okay, how much time is it going to make, take us to actually build that product and get it ready for market? I mean, again, we talk about you know the innovation model. How much time is it going to take to prototype, to imagine, or understand, to imagine, to prototype, to validate, and then launch that product? And then as you think about that, you, you say to yourself, well, how much money is it going to take to actually build the prototypes, do all the testing, get it ready? And then how many people is it going to actually take to do that? I think those three things make up this resource triangle. And when you move one, it influences the other two. So if you try and shorten the timeline or the amount of time that you have to work on it, 
you're going to probably have to increase the money or increase the number of people. Or if you say, you know what, we don't have as much money, you may have to extend the timeline. So it's those three things that I think are so critical as you're thinking about planning and the goals that you're trying to accomplish. So clarity on the resources needed, I think is a huge conversation for any organization. And actually, and this is the cool part, this actually works at home too. <laughs> Gina and I were literally talking about some home improvements. We're like, you know what, use this resource triangle. I mean, what's our timeline, right? First off, what's the goal? What's the timeline? And then how many people we're going to need, how much money we're going to need. And you can wrestle this at home as well. And so um, I just think that's a critical part of any organization or department or personal plan that you're working on. Can I jump in on that? You'll often find that one uh, leg of the triangle might govern the conversation. Mm. Like let's say it's a home improvement project, to to your example. You may say, well, this is the budget. This is all I've got. And so that's going to go to scope or perhaps timing or maybe resources. Maybe you have to do some of it yourself and you can't outsource all aspects of the project to a professional. You have to figure out what is which of those legs is really going to govern, which one means the most to you. It may be that there's an absolute deadline. We've got a major event happening. Mm-hmm. It's got to happen by that point in time. Okay, well, that's going to color the others. Well, fascinatingly, last year, you may, you may recall in Atlanta, we actually had a bridge on Highway Interstate 85. The heart, I mean, this is literally a main artery into the city, completely collapse. And it was amazing that when you think about this triangle, we said we have to have the organ, you know, the government said we have to have this open by one month from now. And they put a tremendous amount of money, more money than they would ever put to any road improvement project. But that changed the dynamic. That sped up the timeline to get that done. And it works. It truly does work when you think about those three legs of the triangle. For That's sure. a great example. I may want to come back to that yeah. in a future podcast because there's an awesome story. There. It's, it's, it's a great story. Um, so let's just, as we think about number five being clarity of resources needed, number six is when you think about being very clear about the assignments. Once you decide what you're going to do and you're clear on that, then you have to be super clear about the assignments to get that done. And I want to introduce this idea of what accountability and autonomy look like. Because I think when you hand over work to people, when you've got a clear plan and now you hand that off to people, you need to be you need to give people the autonomy to make decisions as well as to take action but that is also combined with the accountability for those actions and the consequences or the experiences that come when you have that accountability. And it's really the tension in those two that make the the giving an assignment really effective. And so that's an area that I think um, we're always working to get better at because sometimes we give accountability, but we don't offer as much autonomy. And so the, the, the leader doesn't feel like they truly have the opportunity to influence and vice versa. Those two need to work hand in hand. So if you lead a business or you lead a team, I would say one of the things you can do that would um, set your business or team up for success is to get super clear on assignments. Uh, outcomes, the accountability. Is there a model that you've seen or that you've experienced or used that you think does that really well? I don't know about a model, but I think there's a conversation that ought to happen. Um, if you if you just talk to your team and you ask them what they think they're being held accountable for, if you ask them um, what they think they have the autonomy to carry out, 
and you're not hearing what you think it is, there's a disconnect, uh, some, there's going to be a bad outcome, right? Right. So set them up for success, free them up, and then I think you can even express not just encouragement, you got this, but uh, uh, you can cheerlead for them as well. Yeah, and later on you're going to talk about maybe some methodology for accountability. Kind of, kind of help us with um, something that I think is in line with that. It helps us with that is number seven. It's decision rights. Yes. So we, we're actually at Chick-fil-A, um, we're spending a lot of time and energy on this. Candidly, um, we have valued what we've called consensus decision-making around here. We were willing to spend more time thinking through options, gathering input, um, including a lot of people, because the, the theory was if we did, there would be more buy-in. And while we spent more time on the front end, there wouldn't be a lot of sideways energy as we move forward and begin to execute the decision. And I think there's still a lot of power in that. However, um, as we've grown and the organization's become more complex, we don't want that to be uh, a means for more bureaucracy to creep in. So we're shifting a little bit to a, a little different model. And um, I would, what's the, how would you describe the model that we're going to away from consensus to more of just kind of a collaborative model? It's collaborative, but it's, it gets much clearer around decision rights and who has input in the decision. And one of the things that we had the pleasure of spending a good amount of time with Bain Consulting over the last couple of years, and they introduced a model which you could find online anywhere, but it's called the rapid, rapid decision-making model. And it's, it's really cool. Rapid stand is an, an you know, an acronym that stands for, remind me, David, what's the R stand for? Recommend, uh, agree. Um, the P is, uh, who's going to, who is going to process that? <laughs> no, it's not. Imp- it's not. This perform. is perform. Gonna, Thank you, David. Who's, who's going to perform? As you can see, it's a fairly new model here at Chick-fil-A, <laughs> but it is recommend, agree, perform. Meaning who's going to actually That's have right. to carry who's, out the decision. The I stands for input, input provider. and the D stands for the who's decision. got the decision. Yeah, who's got That's the, right. We say who's got the D, but here, here's the way if where you clarify even roles in a decision. And so it, there may be people that should be able to speak in the decision. They're an input provider. But if they're not the decision maker, they don't hold the D. They can't keep the decision maker from moving forward. Yeah. The decision maker should hear them out and, and earnestly you know, really want to understand their perspective. Um, but uh, you ultimately need to clarify who's got the D. Yeah, and I, th- I think too, I want you to imagine that you're in a team and you're leveraging this model and there are people sitting around the table that are actually really good experts at maybe the topic that you're in they may have the agree they have to fundamentally agree to let's say the financials of a decision then there are others that just have a perspective they may give input into that decision and then ultimately the team is going to actually recommend the decision to the person that actually ultimately holds the D. And then once that's done, then you actually have the people that process that decision. They actually go out and perform on those things and they make the work happen. And so that model is one model that I think can be helpful because if you're not careful, you get into a setting where everybody in the room thinks they have the D or the ability to shut down the idea. And that can just, that can stall some of the work that you're trying to do when you're planning. No doubt. In fact, I would say ambiguity around decision rights can be a plan wrecker. You do all the hard work we've already talked about to get to this point, but then it all stalls out because we get stuck. Yeah. 
and you don't want to let that happen. So if you can, as part of the plan, you clarify decision rights up front, it paves the way to maintain momentum as you move into sort of an execution phase of the project. Well said. Is that fair? So we've had, I'm going to do a quick recap, vision, uh, clear outcomes, a strategic path, timetable, clarity on resources needed, clear assignments and accountability, and we've just talked now about decision rights. Uh, I would then say maybe the next element of a great plan is some progress tracking tool. Once you commit, you probably leave with uh, some momentum and you want to maintain it. And so we will often talk about either scorecards or some other reporting tool that you um, you know there's accountability around. You have to come and you have to share. Um, here's where we are relative to what we said we were going to do. And we heard a great story about this from Alan Mulally, who at one point was the leader of Boeing back when they were doing really well. He left Boeing and went to Ford and helped lead a trans- When they weren't doing really well. But he helped put but them on track. then he turned them around. That's, That's right, right. To do extremely well. And one of the things he talked about was he went through everything we've just described relative to planning. They got a plan. And they moved to this tracking tool and share a little bit of what he shared with us, Shane, about how they used that, the red, yellow, green yeah, accountability Yeah, so, I mean, system. it was fairly simple. And I, I think there's you've probably been a part of these, but oftentimes we call them check-ins or huddles. And he would literally have all the executives, the leaders of each one of the functions, in a room every single Monday, and they would go over their scorecard. And it was either red yellow or green and you can imagine when he first started this there wasn't a single executive that wanted to show anything less than green and it was so funny he's famous for saying this this is recall this this is when ford was at its lowest point i mean they were losing money week after week after week they were now instead of being number one they were number 10 it was horrible and all these executives came in with their report in green. He said, so let me understand something. We're losing billions of dollars, and yet everything is going fantastic. And so that started this real accountability around, hey, let's agree that we're not doing as well as we think we are, and we're going to leverage this scorecard to truly help us and keep us on track. That way, if I'm not doing well in an area, David or somebody else on the team can actually lean in and help me get there. There's just power in a progress tracking tool or something or some system or format that allows leaders to get together and be accountable to each other. And that can be in the form of check-in or a huddle or a scorecard, a template, or the like. I remember when Alan told us that story, he shared the next week somebody came and they had something red on their scorecard. <laughs> and everybody's thinking, oh my gosh, they're about to catch it. They may not even be here for the next uh, review. You know, interesting, David, on a side note, when you read his book, the, the, the first leader that came in with red ultimately about five years later became the next CEO. I just thought that was really good. He was the very first guy to do that. And so it was just a real testament to, hey, let's be honest and open about where we are in regards to the plan. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. He celebrated that. He goes, finally, thank you. Real transparency, real honesty. How are we going to get better if we don't acknowledge that it's not going like we'd hoped, right? So you need some sort of tracking tool, and you need the courage to be honest about how you're doing. Um, We will often use a term we borrow from the military, after action review. As you're going about the execution of this plan, uh, 
what are you going to do if you do get off track? How do you, you know, create a little intervention so that you can course correct? But as you develop the plan, make sure there's a uh, you've communicated, oh, we will meet quarterly or we will we meet monthly or weekly, whatever it needs to be, and we'll just do a check-in. We'll see how everybody's doing. It's not fancy, but that's, that's a progress tracking tool. So let's end with number nine. And I think if this sounds so boring, Shane, <laughs> I was gonna say, if you're not careful, you allow yourself to fall in the trap that planning isn't fun and it's not energizing. And one of the themes that we've used over the last couple of years is this mantra of we get to do this. I mean, think about where you are right now and the fact that you're thinking about next year or the next three years you're a part of something that not everybody gets to be a part of. You're literally setting the trajectory and the direction of whatever organization you're a part of. Or maybe it's just your personal life. But the reality is, is you get to do this. So with that in mind, you ought to have fun doing it. If, if I'm not having fun in a planning process, we're doing something wrong. And I do think there's an element to this that just needs to be energizing and exciting. And so if you're leading a planning process or you're a part of a team that's working on planning, my encouragement would be add a little fun to it. Make it fun. So one of the things we did over the last three days is we call, as we referred, referenced early on in in the conversation, we call it a planning rumble. And really, the reason we call it a rumble is because we are literally going to be in debatable situations, uh, arguing the merit of strategy. And if you think about a rumble, I always think about a rumble in the jungle. It's a boxing match. And so, I mean, we had boxing gloves and, you know, format around what it would look like if you were kind of in a fight every now and again. Clips from the Rocky Clips from Rocky boxing gloves. We had games out there. And what we tried to do is create an environment that allowed you to relax that allowed you to strategically think, and most importantly, allowed you to have fun and build relationships with each other. Because at the end of the day, you gotta remind yourself that this is an opportunity to map your future. It shouldn't be looked at as this laboring exercise. It should truly be looked at as an opportunity to actually cast vision and set direction for your organization. And so have fun and keep it energizing, and I think it'll be helpful. Each participant had their own walk-up song, their own walk-up music. <laughs> yeah. And as our outside consultant, Guy Hawker, said, it may have been the only time in the history of corporate America there was a jump rope competition <laughs> in the middle of the planning exercise. I will say, I would argue Google is probably doing something like this, but um, I will, you know, honestly, I think if you can have some fun while you're doing this, it just makes it that much more rewarding when you get to the end. Yeah. So. All right, so uh, that those are the nine steps. Vision, clear outcome, strategic path, timetable, clarity on resources, clear assignments, decision rights, a progress tracking tool, and fun. But here's the big question as we just wrap this up and dismount. Do you feel like you, your team, your organization, you've got a great plan? Are you excited about it? Uh, is your team excited about it? Is it giving you the clarity that's going to enable you to go forth and do something you're going to be really, really proud and pumped about? If not, we want you to do something about that. We think great leaders, we think great launchers are good at this. Uh, and it doesn't have to be stodgy, boring, something you dread. Yeah.
Absolutely. And so as you begin uh, your continue to, uh, you know, kind of dive into planning and process for your organization, we're hopeful that conversations like this help you get where you want to be and help you get to your next step on your journey as a leader. And so it is a great opportunity for us to get to spend time with you. So don't hesitate to check us out on launchuniversity.com and you know, email us some questions, leave your comments. If you, if you like the podcast, don't hesitate to leave us a good review as well. We're always looking for feedback and we're looking for those little tips and tricks to make us better as well in, in our journey of uh, providing the greatest content we can for you. Absolutely. And if you go to launchuniversity.com, we'll make reference on the show notes to some of the things we've talked about today that'll be helpful. We're grateful that you would take the time to just uh, listen with us. We appreciate that. Hope you'll invite somebody else to do the same. Until next time, I'd say go forth and conquer and have a great plan. Thanks for listening to the Launch University podcast. We hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. For more helpful resources, visit launchuniversity.com.